Hello and welcome to Staying Connected, part of the Equip Project podcast. Welcome back to our final episode of Staying Connected. It's week 12. It's amazing. It's been 12 weeks since we started this off. And thankfully, praise God, lockdown is now beginning to ease up um, somewhat. And we're really grateful for that. If you've stuck with us throughout all 12 weeks, we're really grateful. And hopefully some of the thoughts you've heard have been a blessing to you. They certainly have been a blessing to me. As we close Staying Connected, I just want to share from John chapter 21. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. And I'm really excited just to share a few thoughts with you uh, based on it. Let's read from verse 1 of John chapter 21. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. What do you do when life gets tough? When things don't seem to turn out as planned, maybe when you feel under pressure, when you feel like it's all getting a bit too much, where do you turn? Do you have a place that you go? Is is it a person you contact? I remember growing up, my brothers and I had a little plaque in our bedroom and it said, when the going gets tough, we go to Grand's. And it was very accurate because our grand's house, our our grandparents' house, was a place of familiarity and safety, a place we, we knew and felt secure in. And it was almost like a haven from the rest of the world, a place we we had many laughs and a lot of fun. And I think when life gets tough, when we feel confused or uncertain about things, often we do that. We return to the familiar, to the comfortable, to what we know. And in our passage, I think the disciples do just that. They return to what they know because the past few weeks had been very traumatic for them. 
Their savior, the one they loved more than anyone in the universe, had been brutally crucified. The one they hoped would redeem Israel had been killed. And they had all, Mark records, deserted him and fled. Even Peter, the the most bold disciple of the lot, the disciple who'd said he would die for Jesus, he denied even knowing him three times over. And it was almost like in those few days, their whole world had been turned upside down. Remember, these disciples had given up everything to follow Jesus, and now he was dead. But after three days, something truly crazy had happened, because into the gloom and despair of that situation, this this light had burst in, because the tomb where Jesus lay was empty. And there were reports flying around that people had seen him alive. In fact, prior to our passage, he had appeared alive at least seven times. And it seems like just two of those occasions were to a larger group of the disciples. And Jesus had asked his disciples to return to Galilee, where they'd see him again. So in obedience, it seems like that's what they've done. But Jesus' appearances were unpredictable, and and things must have still felt pretty uncertain for the disciples, and it seems that the Great Commission maybe hadn't been given to them at this point, So, so they didn't quite know what to do with themselves, so they return to what they know very well, they go fishing. Now, I guess the question is, should they have been fishing at all? You know, back in in Luke 5, when Jesus calls the disciples initially, we find Peter, James, and John out fishing. And at the end of that, that section, we read, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You know, fishing was life to these guys. It was how they gained their livelihood. It was what they were good at. Yet an encounter with Jesus changed everything, and they gave it all up. And they left fishing to fish instead for people. Um, and that is that they sought to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost. So, so it could be the case that they hadn't been fishing for three years. And instead they'd given it all up to share the good news and follow Jesus. But now things change because, as I mentioned, they're uncertain and, and they're unsure. So they return to what they know. And I, I think that's a risk for, for you and me as well, because when life gets hard, when, uh, when COVID bites, do we still seek to follow Jesus or, or do we crave the comfortable? I know when things get hard or uncertain, I crave home. I crave being with family. Maybe it's financial security or or familiar food. And those things, they're not wrong in themselves. Don't mishear me. But if they take the place of following Jesus, if we look to those things, those familiar things for our security and our comfort, and we depend on them instead of Jesus, well, actually, we'll be left sorely disappointed. We see in verse 3 that that Peter takes the lead in this situation. He says, I'm going fishing. And in response, six of the other disciples decide to go with him, including John, who, who wrote this book. And they spend the whole night out fishing and they didn't catch a thing. You know, you can imagine the scene, seven tired men frustrated at their lack of success and the dawn begins to break. They must have been so tired. I would have been in a bad mood. And as the light grows brighter, they see a man standing on the shore and he cries out to them. He says, children, do you have any fish? 
And with this one word of one syllable, you can imagine kind of an irritation in their voice. They reply, no. And the man, uh, yet the, who they don't yet recognize, is in fact Jesus Christ, their risen Lord. And I love the fact he uses that term children. It shows he cares for them and has this compassion for them, despite the way they've treated him, um, you know, abandoning him, denying him. But yet he still calls them children. And he calls out to them again and he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And I imagine these guys are thinking, really, who is this guy telling us what to do? Um, But something remarkable happens because they cast the net on the right side of the boat and they they catch a hole that's so massive that they can't even bring it in. And at that point, John is like, it's the Lord. A fa- you know, a failed fishing trip transformed by Jesus. Well, that was kind of familiar to John because back in Luke 5, when Peter, James, and John were first called, that was exactly what happened. So I'm sure John had a, had a flashback uh, and he knew that that man on the shore was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it's remarkable, isn't it? Because these skilled fishermen, they toiled all night and they'd caught nothing. Uh, And they'd gone back to what they knew, to to the thing they were good at, and they had nothing to show for it. But when they followed the words of Jesus, everything changed. And I think this miracle teaches the disciples that they need to rely on Christ and not on themselves. They need to be less self-reliant and more Christ-reliant. They need to listen to his voice and obey his commands even in the midst of the uncertainty of life. And he's saying, guys, I am the sovereign Lord of the universe. The fish of the sea are subject to me. The universe is subject to me. Don't rely on yourselves. Rely on me. Don't return to the familiar. Trust me. And don't you just love the the reaction of Simon Peter? This is so classic uh, of Peter. Back in Luke 5, when when he was first called to follow Jesus, when he witnessed the Lord do a similar miracle, he said these words. He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. But this time when he sinned against the Lord in a far greater way, denying him with cursing and swearing, this time he launches himself into the water and swims towards Jesus. And that to me is such an encouraging truth, such a precious truth, because Peter now knows he's convinced of the character of the Lord. He spent three years with him. He knows his forgiveness. He knows his love and his care. So in his sinfulness, he actually swims towards him rather than cowering in fear and saying, get away from me, Lord, he launches himself into the sea. And it's a beautiful picture of what our God is like. And maybe you're listening to this today and and you're feeling racked with guilt. And I relate to that feeling. But there's hope for you in this truth. Peter launching himself in his sin into the water and swimming towards his gracious savior. You can do the same. Turn from your sin and launch yourself into the water and swim towards your saviour. He's so kind and he's so gracious. And then they get out on land and Jesus has this charcoal fire ready for them. Uh, there's, there's already fish laid out on it. And he asked them to, to bring some of the, their own fish. <laughs> I say their own, I mean the fish they'd caught because of Jesus. And add it to the barbecue. And Jesus invites them to come and have breakfast. 
And this is is one of my favorite sections of scripture because the Lord who just weeks earlier had washed their feet, the Lord who had just died on the cross, utterly forsaken to take the punishment for their sin so they could be forgiven. The Lord who who is now risen in glory. It's that same Lord who invites these failures of disciples for breakfast and seeks to serve them once again. And he feeds them and he warms them and it seems like he passes the bread to them individually in the fish. And it's just such a, a beautiful scene at daybreak. And I'm sure you're all aware the last time Peter had stood round a charcoal fire. He denied the Lord with swearing and curses. And it says in John, it was night, but now it is daybreak. You can imagine just the sun rising and, and glistening on the water as it comes over the horizon. It's a, it's a fresh start. And the risen Christ, that kind, gracious saviour, stoops over the charcoal fire and serves up breakfast. Imagine the Son of God cooking food for you. I'm sure it tasted phenomenal. And it was a breakfast of of restoration, a breakfast where the King of Kings showed that he would always be faithful to his followers, no matter how far they fell. He would always love them. He would always care for them. It was a breakfast that showed their sin had been forgiven. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, could come and have fellowship and friendship with them because he died for their sin. Nothing could come between them and God. And I want to encourage you guys with these truths. I want to encourage you to to look at the Lord Jesus Christ because I think this passage just portrays him as the beautiful savior that he is. A savior who loves and loves and loves and loves. A savior who serves those who don't deserve it. A God who who loves to bless and loves to care. And he's the God who invites you, wherever you are today in the world, whatever situation you find yourself in in life, he invites you to come and have breakfast. And I just think, like, why wouldn't you want to draw near to that kind of God in repentance and faith? Why wouldn't you want to eat breakfast with a God like that? So in this short passage, we see a failed fishing trip transformed by the mighty power of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he shows our need to depend on him, even when we don't understand, even when life is hard. He says, trust me, trust me. And we see Peter, despite his sin, swim towards his saviour, his gracious saviour, showing that we too can be sure of his grace. And finally, we see Jesus serve up a breakfast to his followers, tenderly inviting them to come and eat, showing us the intimate fellowship of restoration that God invites us into at daybreak. I think there's hope for each one of us in this passage, no matter what the future holds, and I trust it encourages each of you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you so much that he is powerful. Lord, he has power over the fish of the sea. Lord, he is the one who who created everything. Uh, Lord, by him and through him and for him, everything was created. Lord, thank you that though he is powerful and mighty, and though we can can trust him uh, to overcome any adversary, 
Lord, at the same time, he is gentle and kind. And we see both those things so clearly in this passage. We love the fact, Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ invited those failures of disciples to come and eat breakfast with him. He showed them grace and kindness and love. Lord, he warmed them by that charcoal fire, even after Peter, one of them, had had previously deserted him round a charcoal fire at night. Lord, we love this passage. It makes the Lord Jesus look beautiful, look like the beautiful saviour that he is. And we want to know him. Lord, wherever we are in the world, wherever we find ourselves today, I, I pray that each person listening might grow in love and appreciation for the Lord Jesus listening uh, to these truths. Lord, I pray that if they are in a place where they're struggling with guilt, uh, Lord, struggling struggling with with a fear of their own failure, Lord, I pray that in repentance they might swim towards their gracious Savior, being confident that he is kind and gracious and will welcome them and forgive them. He died to make that possible. So, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon each one of our listeners. Thank you so much for for helping us and being with us, Lord, throughout this 12-week series. And we just ask that um, you might keep our listeners safe uh, and away from danger and harm over the coming days and weeks. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. We praise you. Thank you that there's hope for each one of us, no matter what the future may hold. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Saw through the shadows of my soul The work is finished, the end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could